So, guys, you might be hearing my voice, Cal Mac, to start this show off, but I'm not the one conducting the interview. Unfortunately, I was away on business, but I got my good friend, Dan, to conduct this interview with Tony Lywood, a town county councillor for Keswick, uh, who ran for the local election uh, in Copeland for the 2019 general election. Dan and Tony uh, talk uh, in depth about a range of different issues about the coronavirus pandemic and if the Conservatives have been handling it as well as they should have and also um, what the vaccine, the coronavirus vaccine now means for the world. Um, And Tony also talks in depth of what the UK can do to really take off Australia and New Zealand to focus on their own uh, way of fighting the pandemic. Uh, Get in touch with us. Tell us what you thought of the episode by... uh, Give us a follow on Instagram at TrackbackPod uh, and email the team as well if you've got any inquiries at trackbackpodcast.yahoo.com. But this is Dan with Tony Lywood, Town County Councillor for Keswick. Good afternoon, everyone, today. Uh, and we are joined with Tony Lywood, who is currently a town county councillor here in Copeland and he was the uh, candidate actually in the Copeland parliamentary election in 2019 for the Labour Party. Uh, Good afternoon Tony, how are you today? I'm okay, thank you. So in the last year um, we see how the coronavirus has affected lots of different people in multiple sectors across the country and globally. Um, The Conservative Party um, have uh, had to handle um, the fight against coronavirus. But what's your thoughts on how the Conservative government has handled this fight um, against the virus? And um, what do you think could have been done differently? Um, I think you have to look worldwide and look at what other countries have done. And uh, Western Europe and America Um, has taken the decision to go for uh, a lockdown release policy. In other words, when the virus gets out of control, um, you lock down. And then when it's not in uh, in control, um, sorry, when it is under control, you release. um, And then eventually you get a vaccine through, which will solve everybody's problems. There are countries who have done it very, very differently. Differently, and they're called the elimination approach. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, Vietnam, Thailand, Taiwan, South Korea, China. Um, there are there are many more of them, and the number of deaths they've had have been um, insignificant. No death is insignificant, but they're, they're insignificant compared to the way we've done it. Um, and uh, we now have over a hundred thousand deaths. Uh, where Thailand, I think, is less than 100 um, with a similar population. Um, and these various countries cover um, countries that are rural, um, uh, some with very, very uh, Eastern um, kind of governments, some with um, uh, uh, authoritarian governments, uh, and some with democracies. Um, large cities like Auckland and Sydney, again in Australia, massively less because they've gone for an elimination. In other words, they've stopped people at the borders, they've put them into quarantine, and so long as the R rate, that's the reproduction rate, is less than one, 
they will eradicate the uh, the virus. And you may have seen scenes in New Zealand of, of pop concerts and uh, and the New Year celebration in Wuhan, where people are completely um, mixing in together with no problem whatsoever. So my view is that the the West, uh, the Western democracies and Europe have gone about this in a very, very poor way. Um, and they could have done it in a much better way. Having said that, the, the uh, unveiling of the, of the vaccine has been a success. Uh, the NHS has dealt with it really, really well. And we can only but applaud that. But let's just hope that the vaccine does cover all natures of this COVID virus. Otherwise, we're in deep trouble. Absolutely. And going on to the point of different countries and how successful they have been in, in effectively um, norm, bringing back normality, uh, just as you talk about uh, the pictures we've seen, in particular in Australia. Um, we've the Copeland constituency, Labour Party passed a motion to pressure the government to adopt this I quote, zero COVID strategy. Um, could you talk to us a bit about what involved, what this strategy is involved and um, uh, how, what exactly it is? What it means is that you, um, if you have an R rate that's below one, then it means the virus will go down because it means that one person infects less than one other. Um, uh, um, but if you have an open border policy, uh, which we have had up until recently. I mean, I, I knew people not very many months ago who just walked straight through Heathrow from, from wherever they wanted to. Um, mm. Then you can bring in new infections, new variants and new problems. So those countries that have zero COVID policies, if you arrive from, say, America, you will have to go into a hotel for 14 days at your own expense uh, before you're released into the general population. Um, and that's really what a zero COVID policy is. So truckers who would come through the tunnel or come on ferries would be isolated. They would have their own areas where they could uh, uh, um, drink and eat and would have to leave um, in, a, in a kind of um, hermetically sealed way. So what it means is each country itself is, has the ability to have a zero COVID policy. So within the country, there is no COVID at all, like it is in New Zealand and in Australia. If COVID does get in for any reason, because sometimes it does, then there will be local lockdowns to ensure that it does work and a proper track and trace system. Our track and trace system, what is it they've spent on it so far? Mm. $37 billion. And it still doesn't work. You know, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And let's face it, we've had all these issues with Brexit and uh, wherever we are. We are actually in Ireland. You know, unlike Belgium, France and Germany, we can actually close our borders pretty easily, you know, compared to them. I'm not saying it easily is too strong a word, but we can actually do it. Now, Thailand has four land borders, uh, a massive amount of tourists that have been coming through and they managed it. Excellent. Do you think this strategy could have been effective in the United Kingdom? Do you think we could, could have learned from these? Yes, it could. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Excellent. So we definitely could have learned from these countries um, to use this COVID, zero COVID strategy uh, earlier when they were um, implementing this strategy. And we could have learned from these countries and effectively maybe been back to normality a lot sooner. Well, I think actually the government is moving towards that anyway. Um, mm -hmm. 
you know, now I think if you come from um, particular areas, you have to quarantine anyway. And, and the, let me be quite clear. If the if this vaccine doesn't work as well as we think it's going to work, um, uh, and, and let's hope it does, and, and, and if we get variants in that it doesn't cover, um, then what are we going to do? Carry on lockdown and release, lockdown and release. So, you know, we, mm. we, we uh, release this summer only to be locked down again next winter. And how long does this go on for? You know, so it, I think a zero COVID policy has proved in those countries to have been very successful and it hasn't wrecked their economies either. Absolutely. Across the pandemic, children's education has been turned upside down by the coronavirus. What are your thoughts on returning children to schools and how they've been impacted in the last year? Uh, I've got two kids, three kids, actually, but one's left home a long time ago. I've got uh, one of 13, of one of 15. Um, for them, um, they have been OK. Um, I think there's been disrupted. Nelly's uh, GCSEs have been completely disrupted. Um, and their learning progress has not been as good as it as it should have been and could have been. Um, but uh, it, it, it has to be of the highest priority to get kids back to school. Um, ha- once again, going back to a zero COVID policy, you know, it's going to be very hard to stop the spread of COVID when you've got, you know, in our case, 1,400 kids in Keswick School, all from different areas of the county. It's going to be difficult. So um, my view is I welcome it, but I welcome it very, very cautiously. Absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, and the general election in 2019 uh, was heavily um, bounded by this Brexit. Um, and um, say if a, a Labour Party were elected, do you think that um, things may have been a bit different across the pandemic, in particular children's education, bringing them back to school. Sorry, there are two. I don't quite mm-hmm. get what you're trying to ask. You, you were yeah. saying in the in the in the 2019 election, Brexit was at the fore of, of the um, election, but absolutely so connect, connection with that and the, and the children's education. Yeah, no problem. So, so the Conservative Party, in in my opinion. Um, were elected heavily because of Brexit. It was dominated in their campaign, um, which in 2020 um, then led to this coronavirus, having them have to fight the coronavirus. And I was just wondering um, what you think a Labour Party would have done differently um, in the pandemic? I think had we been elected, we would have uh, uh, we would put in place a zero COVID policy. And I think what you would have had was an isolated Great Britain um, on the fringes of Europe with very, very little COVID. Um, uh, albeit, uh, I think we wouldn't be getting, you know, strawberries in the middle of, of December. There would have been some there's going to be some downsides to this, but we certainly wouldn't have been in the way we are now in the lockdowns we are now. I think things would have been done very, very differently. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that Fitz Park opened um, the children's play area locally in Keswick, which is yeah. excellent to see, um, which is obviously fantastic for local children um, to get to their local park. And, and how important do you think that is for people being homeschooled, the children being homeschooled? Um, being homeschooled? 
Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've got children out of education, and um, in uh, January when we just had Christmas and we're in this lockdown, which was lasted longer than the summer one, I think. Um, how important do you think it is that we open the local play area in Fitz Park? Really important. I think it's yeah. uh, all facilities should be opened as, as soon as they possibly can be. And I think mm-hmm. that was one of those, the ones that homeschooling is not easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely. Unbelievable. You know, it's just, <laughs> have you got kids? No, not myself. No, no. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, it just is. It's, it's hard. You know, you, you sometimes think that God made school so that people could didn't have to homeschool. It's just it's unbelievably hard. And, and if you've got a, a job, a working job, my oldest daughter is like 35 and she's got two very young kids. And she has to work from home quite a lot. Uh, it's just a, it's just a nightmare. So you know, I, I think in every possible way we should um, try and ensure that kids can be go to school and have a proper education. Mm-hmm. Coronavirus has affected the economy, um, also locally in um, the Copeland uh, constituency. Um, how do you think we could improve the local economy after the pandemic? I, I actually think that what's going to happen this season is it's going to be ram-packed. Um, I don't think many people are going to be travelling abroad. And, uh, and mm. as we saw in the last uh, season, it will be hugely, hugely, hugely um, used, the Lake District. Um, I, I think it will be very difficult to get tables at restaurants or get into pubs, as it was in, in, in the summer. I don't have a worry in terms of the short-term um, ability of people to recover from what's happened. Um, I think the, lo- the problem is the long-term losses that people have had. And one of the good things the government has done is given out grants for, for, for businesses to help them out. And what the, what the bad, one of the bad things they did was give out grants for holiday lets uh, who, <laughs> who, who pay no business rates anyway and, and got up to £16,000 in this last year. Um, what I do feel sorry for is those caught in between, those who are self-employed um, without a, a, a complete track record of, of their, of their um, businesses or those who've just started in business. And I think, um, unfortunately, like all of these things, money has gone to money. Um, and I think some of the targeting has been um, scattergun. Um, uh, so in answer to where do I think we, how could we improve this? I think the, the improvement must be to try and um, enable people to get back in jobs. Because the, the, mm-hmm. the one thing beyond anything that makes people's lives better is to have a job and have money in their pocket. Absolutely. And more on the uh, budget from Richie Shunak. Um, I saw this headline on the 11th of March where his, um, it said his budget plans were unrealistic and a 1% pay rise for the NHS staff. What, what, what's your thoughts on uh, the budget and particularly this 1% pay rise for the NHS staff? Uh, it's a disgrace. I mean, you know, the NHS staff have been at the uh, forefront of, uh, uh, of, of going through COVID. And we all stood out on our front doors clapping for the NHS, but we just give them 1% at the end of it. As I said, yeah. we'll £37 billion on, on a track and trace system that barely works. Uh, some people have been given £20 million for procuring contracts for PPE. Um, you know, through the back door. Um, and it's just absolutely unbelievable. 
that uh, that they can't come up with more money. Um, it's strange in which this government, in some ways, has been forced into uh, intervention in the way that I think most Conservative governments would never want to be. You know, they are the party of business. They are the party um, that tries to stay out of intervening into um, too much into people's lives. And yet they've been dragged kicking and screaming into people's lives and having to support people um, right the way through. Um, so it, it is strange. It is very strange to me that they should be so uh, mean in the treatment of the NHS workers. I mean, I've been here nearly three years myself um, and only five months ago managed to get my own flat in Keswick with my partner, which is just a one bedroom um, flat. And before then, I'd it'd been, you know, helping out through mates, staying at a mate's house or, or even renting rooms through the local paper. There is an obvious housing problem in Keswick, which is dominated by second homes and holiday homes, um, which are neither rented out. Uh, to locals and do lie empty in my opinion for most of the year and it has taken me a lot of time to find a place in Keswick which is obviously a fantastic place to um, grow and potentially have a family here. Um, I was just going to ask you if the if the Labour Party were elected into the local constituency what action would be done to battle the housing problem in Keswick, which is continuing to affect local people struggling to find accommodation? Well, I think there are, there are a number of points here. Um, first of all, um, holiday lets, um, Airbnb and, um, you know, holiday lets generally are, um, are a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. They bring people to the town uh, and they bring money into the town. Um, but they're a good thing up to a point. It's like eating Mars bars. I love Mars bars, but I wouldn't want to eat 20 of them all at the same time. Um, the point about um, uh, holder lets is that if they dominate the property and dominate the area, what it means is there will no longer be a community in which people can live. Uh, I spent a, a weekend in Robinhood's Bay. Um, it's on North Yorkshire somewhere. Um, uh, not that long ago. And the village is not as large as Keswick, but it's, it's, it, it, it's sizable. Um, uh, and there are now only seven families living there. Uh, if you look at um, Chapel Style in Langdale, 85% of the people in, of, the, of the properties in Chapel Style are now not fully occupied. One in two houses in Keswick, um, 50% of all the houses sold now either goes to a second home or a holiday let. That means that we're just losing um, houses uh, hand over fist. Now, what is what is even worse than that is that we're actually subsidising that event. So um, what happens is if you get a house like the one I'm living in and you make it into a holiday lead, um, I do need a little cleaning up, but basically if, if it did, um, what you then is pl- apply for, for small business rate um, you, you apply for business rates and you'll be awarded a small business rate relief, which means that you can live in a house and your next door house that is a holiday let will pay no rates of any sort. You might pay £2,000 uh, rates in your house and it's a holiday let next door. They won't pay any rates. They pay no rates of any sort. So we effectively are encouraging people to do something that we don't want them to do so the very first thing that i'd be pushing for had i got elected would be to try and 
um, put um, uh, holdilets outside the small business rate relief. The second thing is that I think you should also have a licensing system for holdilets. And when it gets to a certain level, should not allow any more. It's as simple as that. It's not that the holdilets themselves are a problem. It's just there are too many of them. That's, that is the problem because they're so lucrative. You can rent a flat, and I have a couple of flats in Keswick, but I rent them only to, um, uh, to people who are working here, local people. Um, mm-hmm. And um, both of those, I mean, I think they glean, I don't know, what, 7,000 quid a year each. If I rented them as holiday flats, they would, they would get 21,000. So you can. So it's not the fault of the holy let owner who's doing it. It's the fault of a system that has a loophole whereby, um, that first of all, they don't pay any rates of any sort, and secondly, they're not restricted in any way. And thirdly, in the in the pandemic, they've been given effectively sixteen thousand pounds each of them. I met one of the multi-millionaires in Keswick, and he he said to me, "Well, I was given seventy thousand quid. I didn't." didn't want it i didn't need it and i'm not gonna and i didn't refuse it so what we've got now is a system that is going to make this worse and worse and worse there are now forty thousand people who live in the lake district national park and i can see that going down to 20 or fifteen thousand because what will happen is as houses are sold less and less will be retained by people who live here and more and more will be setting homes or holiday lets excellent thank you very much for your time today tony you're very um. welcome.